despite the temperature. I'm really happy to, to be there to present you this, uh, this talk. So my name is Florence Blanc-Renault, and uh, today I will be talking to you about passwords, why we use them, uh, why they are not safe, and uh, I will also try to explain uh, the alternatives that we can use that are more secure. So before speaking about password, I would like to, to share a personal experience. So I, I have a, a memory when I was a kid. Uh, I got really excited when I got my first bike. And uh, in fact, I'm not sure if I was more excited about the bicycle or about the lock that came with the bicycle. So it, it was a lock, you, you know, with uh, rotating numbers. So it, it was... Um, um, I really had the feeling that uh, I, I had a secret that nobody else had and that this lock would uh, protect access to my bicycle. So uh, at that time, it was my first experience with passwords, and uh, it was really excited. Uh, so today, when I think about password, it's everything but not exciting. So why, why this switch between um, excitement and today it is such a, a burden when you think uh, of passwords? So, first of all, why are we using passwords? So, as for my bicycle, it's a way to provide security uh, through authentication. So, when we, we refer to security, uh, it can be security to, uh, to protect resources, like access to computers, access to services. So, it, it's something you care about. So, you really need to protect that. Um, but today, um, uh, the password is a way uh, to authenticate. So it means we have this assumption that if I know a password, I must be the password owner. So only Bob is able to know Bob's password. And this assumption is not true anymore today because um, we have so many uh, password leaks Uh, so even though you, you have uh, more and more uh, constraints on your password, uh, so for instance, uh, they must be long enough, they must contain different character classes. So even with all these constraints, um, you, you are only adding uh, constraints, but you are not adding any guarantee uh, that the password is known only by you. Um, and Even if we add password with uh, 30 characters, uh, we still have phishing attacks. So uh, even if you add more and more constraints, uh, you have never the guarantee that it is secure. So uh, is it a lost battle or are there any alternatives to using password for security access? So. Um, Alternative solutions exist, and um, uh, today I will speak about two-factor authentication. So um, this type of solution uh, are based on um, adding ad an additional um, method to authenticate yourself, and uh, they are usually based on two different things. So the first one is something that only you know, like a password, And the second factor is usually based on something that only you own. So it's sort of 
combines uh, two different mechanisms, two strengths, uh, because uh, something material that you own, you also notice it when it's uh, stolen. So if someone knows my password, I don't realize that he knows my password because it's immaterial. Uh, but with a, um, a material token, something um, um, physical, it's more easy to, to detect that kind of issue. So uh, in this talk, I will talk about one-time passwords and smart cards, which are two different uh, mechanisms for two-factor authentication. So for one-time passwords, uh, I, I will refer to it as OTP later, uh, you need to provide your usual password and then a second code. And this code, uh, it, it must be different each time. Otherwise, you have the same issues as with your password, so it would be easy to guess, etc. So the method in order to generate a, a code that is changing each time is to use uh, an external device, a physical device. So it can be your smartphone where you install specific software, uh, but it can also be a hardware token that is generating a new code each time. Um, for smart cards, uh, the, uh, the two factors are different. So the first one, the thing that you know is a pin. Uh, this pin is used to protect access uh, to a private key that will be stored on your smart card. And uh, the physical token is the smart card. So it's usually a, a credit card format card that you insert into a reader. Uh, but it can also have a, a different uh, form factor. So for instance, it can be a USB token. And um, the, the mechanism that is used by smart card is the use of private and public key. So with a smart card, you store a private key on your card and uh, your SSL certificate. And uh, the authentication is done based on the certificate. And the big advantage of smart cards is that once the private key is on your smart card, it will never leave the smart card. So it's impossible to steal the private key even if you steal the, the smart card. So that is the theory. So I know that there are alternative solutions in order to, to provide more secure authentication. And uh, right now, I, I will um, explain you how to put this in, uh, into production, how to deploy uh, this type of solution. So as I said, I'm working at Red Hat inside uh, in, uh, the identity management team. And uh, we provide a, a, a the identity management solution. So it is based on a collection of open source components, uh, Kerberos server, LDAP server, public key infrastructure, DNS, all those things uh, bundled together with FreeIPA. And uh, the capacities of this, um, this product are not uh, only authentication, but you can also perform authorization so it means that you, you can um, fine grain, uh, define access to your, your resources. So for instance, uh, this person is member of that group, so he has access to that system, but this one doesn't uh, belong to that group, so he doesn't access the system. 
but it can also be accessed to services, to applications. Uh, we are also able to, to define host-based access controls, pseudo rules, privileges, so a lot of authorization features. And the, the, uh, the important point is that uh, all those um, information configuration is stored centrally in our LDAP server. So uh, I will go really fast on this uh, OTP authentication because we had uh, uh, exactly the same talk, uh, two talks before. So authentication with OTP is based on um, uh, sharing first a secret. So the server and the hardware token both need to know the same uh, secret. So uh, with uh, a software uh, installed on your cell phone, like uh, FreeOTP, OTP, um, the server will generate a QR code that you scan with uh, the software. And uh, so both parties know the, the secret. So if you are using a, a hardware token, like a Gimalto uh, token, um, when you buy this token, in fact, the, the company that is uh, selling you the token is uh, uh, providing you a map of secrets and serial numbers. And uh, when you register your, your hardware token, uh, you have a mean to, to, to link it with the secret. Uh, but we also support uh, programmable hardware, like uh, YubiKeys. So in this case, uh, you need to insert the YubiKey, and the server will write uh, inside the YubiKey in order to share the secret. So that is the first phase of OTP. It's a configuration of the token. Then the second phase is uh, the synchronization of the counters. So uh, the the token uh, will generate each time a different code. Uh, the code is a function evaluated using uh, the secret and uh, counter. Uh, so you need to synchronize to, for both parties to, to know uh, at which counter we are starting. And when uh, the token is synchronized uh, with the server, uh, it's really easy to log in, in fact. Uh, you just enter your usual password, and in the second phase, you just need to enter your, your code that will be changing each, each time. Um, so the, the login that I'm referring here uh, can be um, a console login, uh, but also SSH login, uh, sudo, so we support a variety of um, uh, ways inside the system. So the, the second type of uh, two-factor authentication that we support is smart card authentication. So in this case, um, the, the smart card is containing the private key and the certificate. And the only way to access um, the private key is to provide the PIN. So when the user uh, needs to connect, he inserts his smart card. Uh, some local checks are performed loc uh, locally, so for instance the PIN, but we also will check if the certificate is still valid, if it's not expired, if it's trusted, and uh, also OCSP checks if uh, the certificate contains uh, an OCSP uh, provider. Um, 
in a second step, so we, we now have access to the SSL certificate. So this certificate is sent to the free IPS server. Uh, and then the server knows a certificate. But in order to authenticate, we need to match this certificate with the user. So it will perform in an internal search inside the LDAP database, uh, looking for a user with a matching certificate. And if the, the user entry is found, then the user is authenticated. And in some cases, he will also get a Kerberos ticket. So I, I mentioned that we need to map user and certificates. and. Um, uh, we have a, a variety of uh, ways how to, to map certificates and users. So in, in our first version, uh, using smart cards, uh, we were only supporting a full blob mapping. So this means that uh, if the smart card was containing a certificate, uh, we were looking for a user uh, containing an attribute that would be this exact certificate content. So it's quite easy to implement because you just need to put the certificate inside the user entry. Um, but also you need to imagine that if you are an administrator, uh, you have hundreds of users, some of them uh, sometimes lose their cards. So um, it's a burden, in fact, to have to extract the certificate, put it inside the, the base. Um, so it's a painful process when a smart card is lost because you have to issue a new certificate, uh, update the LDAP entry, revoke the previous one, etc. So uh, it, it was painful, but it was also limited because uh, of the search that we were performing. Uh, we could map the certificate to only a single user entry. So in last uh, revision of our product, uh, we introduced what we are calling flexible mapping. So it is a different way to find which user entry is corresponding to the user certificate. So here I'm just showing the content of the certificate, not as a blob, but as you could see using OpenSSL uh, tools. So you see that the, the certificate is containing uh, different fields. Uh, issuer, subject, but a lot of other fields. And the idea is uh, to look for a user entry uh, that maps some of the fields or a combination of the fields, but not necessarily uh, the whole entry. So here in this example, you can see that I am mapping um, a user based on issuer and subject. So you can see the the I and the S, they refer to issuer and subject. And um, it, it doesn't seem so extraordinary, but in fact, because I am mapping the values of the fields of the certificate and not the whole certificate, uh, it's really easier uh, to, to provision the user entries because uh, the administrator is able to provision these fields even before he knows the whole content of the certificate. So if the certificate is later revoked and a new one is issued, uh, those fields will not be changed, but the content, the whole blob of the certificate will be different. But we will still be able to match the user and the certificate. 
So it's uh, the main point. Um, but we also added additional features. So with this new version, we are also able to map multiple users with exactly the same certificate. And uh, in this case, the user, when he inserts his uh, token, he will also need to provide which user he really needs to, to log in with. So for instance, uh, I, I don't want to have two cards, one when I log in as a regular user and one when I log in as an administrator. So I will be able to map the same certificate to the both roles. And uh, when I log in, I will be able to select the role that I want to use. And uh, finally, the last feature that we added in this version is the support of PKINIT. So it means that when uh, the user entry is found, uh, we will also issue a ticket granted ticket for the user. So uh, it means that we have single sign-on um, based on this uh, user certificate. So now it's time for your questions. Uh, thank you for the talk. Uh, just a question. Uh, you said that uh, you were using uh, LJ, um, LDAP as a backend storage for almost everything, I guess. Yeah. Uh, how do you deal with uh, storing the secret for TOTP? Do you use, like, is it stored in you know, plain text? or Because at some point, the server has to compute the yeah. your temporary code. So how do you deal with this? Honestly, it's not clear. Uh, not in clear text, but I cannot tell you the specifics inside. So. Um, you can be you can be reassured. We, you can't access the secret easily. It's uh, as safe as your password. It's uh, encrypted, and so no issue. Hello, thank you. Um, does uh, free IPA uh, integrate some kind of uh, replication feature? Mm -hmm. So to have uh, availability and uh, replication on... So uh, I, I didn't explain everything, but um, so on one side you have the server that is storing the LDAP uh, information. Uh, you can have multiple LDAP servers. They will be replicated, so they will share exactly the same information. And uh, the systems on which you want to log in, uh, they will be configured as uh, clients of those LDAP servers, uh, clients of SSSD, in fact, uh, and um, uh, with uh, the DNS features that we also provide, it's easy to, to, to provide a high availability uh, automatically. Okay. Um, 
general point of view questions. What's the point of keeping a password if you get a one-time password? Because basically user will just use simple password or always the same because they will say that they are safe because of the second password. So it's a protocol, I guess. Um, also, when you, you configure uh, OTP, uh, you are able to, um, to configure, for instance, on some systems you require two-factor authentication, but on other systems you don't need. So, for instance, if you are um, out of your uh, uh, LAN, you may require something stronger, um, but you still need the password for the easier, um, uh, the easier part. So. And also, if you don't have a password, you, you, uh, if you lose the, the, yeah, the card, uh, you, your toast. You, you must have a password and a, and a, and a second factor. Or else it's not a second factor. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but if, even if the password is... Uh, is uh, uh, as easy to to uh, uh, to find as uh, as we can imagine. Uh, uh, still, uh, you you can't have just the second factor. Uh, so that's the design of the solution. I mean. Uh. Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree with you, but uh, uh, if you replace the password with a token, uh, you can as easily lose the, the token. Uh, uh, well, you, you, you will say that you have to be physically present to, uh, to work the token, that, that's true, but, uh, well. <laughs> uh, I, I had a question too. Uh, are there tools uh, provided with uh, uh, free IPA to program the YubiKeys, for example? So, we are relying, um, in which case, smart card or OTP? Well, both. <laughs> so, for smart cards, it's often really linked to the smart card provider, uh, but you have plenty uh, of um, software allowing you to access the smart card. So, for YubiKeys, they have their own um, software, in order to, to uh, generate a private key, to uh, um, create a CSR, and then load the, the certificate inside the key. Um, but for OTP, uh, you do not need uh, anything external from us. Uh, you just insert, and then with a command line provided by FreeIPA, you, you are able to, um, to put the, the secret inside the YubiKey. Hi, thanks for the talk. Uh, I would just comment a, a little bit on um, the second factor. It's, um, uh, in my opinion, and you'll tell me what you think about it, it's, it's really um, important um, well, to have a second factor which is not easily um, uh, programmable or hackable. Uh, let's compare a, a smart card to a smartphone. Um, the smart card, in my opinion, will be um, far more secure. Yeah than the smartphone. I have seen, for instance, uh, I'm working on malware. I have seen malware, uh, like already five years ago, um, banking trojans, which uh, grab the first factor uh, using um, 
key, uh, a key logger. Uh -huh. And then the second factor is caught by SMS on the smartphone. So I believe that those second factor, which are using the smartphones, are like not exactly second factors. Yeah. So in our case, we do not rely at all on SMS. It's really uh, you flash a QR code. And then when you press uh, the application, it provides the code that you type. Yeah, but SMS or something else on the smartphone is the same uh, in terms of security. Well, okay, we will uh, close the, the session for today, so uh, thanks, and uh, so um, you are all invited uh, to, tonight to uh, so the uh, place called uh, Les Trois Brasseurs, yeah, so near the train station uh, Lille-Flandre, and don't forget to bring your, your tokens, uh, as uh, tokens are free beers, <laughs> or of course uh, you can choose uh, something else. <laughs>